Welcome, guys, to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Peter Fendero and myself, Matt Slarczyk. This is a podcast where we tackle hot nursing topics and current events, one conversation at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Welcome, whoever is new. Guys, this is an awesome show. We have an awesome time. Those that are keep listening, thank you. Keep subscribing. Hit that five star if you guys can, because that helps us rank on the algorithm. And it kind of motivates me and Peter to give more high quality content. How are you doing today, Petey? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. We got a pretty chill guest tonight. His name is Renard Walker. If you guys don't mind welcoming him into our show, he can be found at r underscore walker on the gram. Renard is a travel nurse that has made his way from the East Coast of New York to the Golden State of California. Originally, he started in accounting and the fitness industry for five years before making his leap into nursing. What up, Renard? What you been doing? What's up, guys? You know, just trying to survive at home. <laughs> you know, front lines of COVID. And trying to enjoy L.A. as much as I can from the inside, kind of. Yeah, is your first time in L.A., like traveling? Uh, first time traveling in L.A. I visited twice before <clears throat> I decided to travel here. And I, I really like the city a lot. And I was like, oh, I can definitely travel here. And then the ratios, of course, don't hurt. Have you noticed the air being cleaner after this whole crisis thing and us being confined? Supposedly, LA has made such a drastic change compared to most cities. Oh, 100%. So it's funny, on my balcony, I could never see as far as I can see now. <laughs> there was just like this layer of fog, smog, whatever you want to call it. And mm -hmm. now you can see like far into LA, which is pretty dope. Well, that's cool because somebody's out about drive by my buddy's house and we live like in... Uh... A little south of Chicago, and you can even see like the Sears Tower from that big of a different distance as well, which usually doesn't happen normally. So, like, oh. stuff's getting clean here too. It's pretty amazing to see. Yeah, definitely cool. Definitely cool. So, Renard, you said you started with uh, accounting and fitness. So, like, what made you like you know go from there? You could tell us a little bit of it about a background, and then yeah. how did you like jump into nursing? Sure. So, <clears throat> so I started out in accounting. I kind of got. I don't want to say swindled, kind of swindled. <laughs> I, um, I was in high school, took an accounting course. My, they sold us like this dream right after our junior year. They, we did this weird summer accounting program for a week where they picked me up in a limousine every day. And like you just saw in the limelight of accounting, we got, we got, I got an Xbox, a Pepsi bag, just like just the high life of accounting. Like they really made it look like something out of Wolf on Wall Street. I'm like, what 16-year-old doesn't want to live this type of dream? So I went to school, finished, took my first accounting job. Dude, I sat down in that office, and I was like, I literally spun my chair around. And I was like, I can't do this shit until, <laughs> until I retire. And the highlights of my day were literally getting coffee, going to the bathroom. I would volunteer for, like, all the brunt work of the office. Like, one day, I'll never forget. I took the fleet of cars to uh, to get car washes. I always checked the mailboxes. Did anything to not be there. I was like, all right. So I quit. I was like, what do I actually like? I was like, I really like fitness. So I got into selling memberships at a local gym. Worked my way up to a regional sales manager, like set some sales goals and stuff like that. Then I got really interested in the training side of it. So I started selling personal training. And I realized like the clients that I connected with the most were nurses they were the ones who could afford it on top of that so it's like obviously the lucrative career but the similar reward as personal training with more stability and you kind of you, you know the nice part about that in comparison to what i was doing 
I was directly reporting to the CEO, um, attached to my phone 24 seven. We're nursing, you swipe in, you swipe out. You can give it your best effort for the full 12 hours or 16 hours, however long you're there. And I woke up one morning, applied. I like picture myself running around like a madman, going to post offices, calling to get all the transcripts. And I just did it. And I started nursing school the same day I started working at the hospital. And I'd never been exposed to any of that stuff. So <laughs> I was just... I couldn't believe any of this was real, but it's pretty cool looking back at it. That's a crazy job, dude. That's that's like a that's like a giant move, man, going from like in a cubicle, a desk job to be like hands on, like in people's asses at some point, you know? It's 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 a huge job, man. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. I'll never forget it was my first shift uh working med service tech. This guy it was one of my first like nights there. Might have been my first shift. So this guy called, asked to use the bathroom. I just learned how to put somebody in a bedpan in nursing school. So I'm all hyped. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. You know, new nursing student, excited to do anything. So I go in the room, and I pull back the sheet. To, and this is the first time I've ever seen scrotal edema. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember running out of the room. And I'm like, yo, what's going on in here? This is an emergency. Like, do people know this is going on? And... They're all cracking up, laughing at the nurses' faces, <laughs> like explaining stuff to me. So clearly, I learned from day one, like not knowing a thing, from yeah. accounting and fitness to you know nursing one on one. And those yeah, like that the- don't, those that don't know, scrotal edema is just basically <laughs> how do I say it? Your balls swell up, so like they're they're the size of oranges. So sometimes you have to like roll up a piece of towel, put a but, you know, put a towel underneath the edema, you know, to help the edema kind of drain. But, um, yeah, man. It was the size of a Bo- BOSU ball. I- I've never seen anything like it still to this day. <laughs> I always tell people that story. You could tell how good a nurse is, depending on if, if they put that little towel under the guy's scrotal edema. You know what? You know, it's a good nurse if they're rolling up a towel and putting weird, it under the weird nurse, Weird nurse point, but true. Dude, that's some shit. <laughs> you know, yeah, they but- actually, in our hospital, a uh, previous one, they actually had memory foam, man. And you could put memory foam underneath the ball sack. To kind of help, you know, it, it mold to that size. That's some shit. It's, pain, it's painful. It was wild. I, I thought something was wrong. I was ready to rush the guy to surgery. Yeah, and that's like the beginning. Like, imagine how much, like, crazy stuff you've seen as a nurse. Like, if you try to explain the stuff you've seen as a nurse, like, a, like an average individual, they're not going to know anything with what you're talking about. No, like, no like, I literally went from, I went from a calculator, control, cubicle, sipping my coffee, playing with numbers, to, you know, taking care of people completely in the most vulnerable positions, you know, people never address really nudity in nursing. You know what I mean? It's just complete shock when you've never done it. <laughs> What's like one thing that you learned from like accounting and fitness or sales, let's just say that you incorporated into nursing. I wonder if that, that's actually a really good point. And uh, I bring that up when I talk to a lot of people, you guys could probably vouch for it. In nursing, you never really have any like communication classes or almost like, selling people on ideas that they don't necessarily thrilled about. So example, they don't want to take the bed bath at four o'clock in the morning, or, you know, they're not necessarily sold on reading reposition every two hours. Where I think from having a sales background, having a fitness background, I've learned verbiage where people are like, no, you make that sound smooth and easy. And then people are like eating out of the palm of your hand sometimes with things. And that's kind of like my weird enjoyment from still getting some of that business piece to, um, you know, and it kind of eases you too. Like, I feel like as a new nurse, it's hard to do all that stuff and communicate. And 
And I definitely think that was the most beneficial thing. They don't teach you how to talk to a doctor. They don't teach you how to take phone calls. You don't go over that stuff. I mean, I don't know if you guys did in school. No, we did. I've had like a leadership class, like I think it's for like two semesters, but like, it's all kind of like, like bullshit, you know, like you do it just to get over with. Like it's not taken as seriously, seriously as like, you know, like your med church class or your hall assessment class. And it does do a lot because there's different ways to ask for the same thing. And I feel yeah. like depending on which way you approach it, your patients are going to be compliant or not compliant, you know, especially coming into a room at like three, three or four in the morning. Like, Hey, I gotta wash you up now. Like that sucks. Like I don't want to be woken up at three or four in the morning just to get washed up with some, with some dry ass fucking wipes that I made from Clorexity yeah. instead of in like a shower. <laughs> you get wiped out with a piece of paper for the most part, you know, it gets annoying. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta properly like communicate that to the patient. So he understands, but also agrees with you, you know? And I feel like on average as a nurse, it takes you time to kind of establish that part of your skill set. Where like, I didn't necessarily know all the time what I might've been doing from a medical standpoint, but I at least portrayed, like I portrayed the image of making them comfortable or at ease while I learned the backside at the same time or sought out advice or asked questions. And I feel like they, they felt confident in their care plan right. based on the communication piece that I transferred from accounting, fitness, business, you know? Yeah, and I like you on that as you grow. I, I yeah, like, for sure. I like how you mentioned communication because me personally, you know, everybody's on a journey of growth, just like you mentioned. Um, I've had, I, I feel like I've been struggling with being maybe a little bit passive aggressive when I first started nursing. So, oh, for sure. I think that's every new grad, typically. Yes, but I've had it probably a little bit more because it was ingrained a little bit from like my, my father or something, let's just say, right? So I had to kind of do that mental unfucking. And I, I wanted so much and I didn't ask properly and I didn't get it. And it would stress me more as a nurse because I didn't know how to communicate my wants and my needs. It was always the wants and needs of a patient, but not my own. And I think just like you mentioned, sales is so good for that and just being self-aware on how to develop proper communication as a nurse because it'll save you so much in the long run, like your stress, your well-being, and everything else. Oh, definitely. And then, you know, from the fitness piece, you know, transferable is um, just the health and wellness completely. Sometimes you have to have those real-life conversations. Sometimes the conversations at the gym got pretty serious when people are on a ton of medications and, you know, I'm trying to get you off those medications by doing it through proper diet, training, things like that. And then you know, discharge planning in a hospital is always, you should, you know, exercise, you should eat well. And, it, you know, how much do we really have time to do that stuff? Or how much education do you really have? Once again, what do you think? One nutrition class in American school for the most part. And then it's up to you what you learn in your own free time. And, you know, fitness and nutrition is a passion of mine that I could transfer from work experience and like just from my own learning and stuff, which is cool too. Yeah, it's important. So like the whole like prevention kind of stuff and like the, the patient education because it's different like to talk about something and explain something if you've never done it before but if you're a person 100%. that eats if you're a person that eats healthy and you tell somebody to eat healthy like it's a different authority you know it's just yeah. like like having someone that's like like having that overweight fitness fitness trainer that trains somebody like dude like you can't figure out how how to get your ass in shape like how are you going to figure out how to get <laughs> you know? exactly i feel like you do have to look the part and all the part for sure so what about like night shifts? I feel like you're one of those nurses that are pointing out nur like bad nursing habits when it comes to eating food. Cause you know, night shift, do you work night shift? Yeah. I'm nice. 
Okay, so you know they'd be snacking. I've only done nice, yeah. <laughs> same, here, same here. You know they'd be snacking all the damn time, and I try to bring it up like, hey, I'm intermittent fasting. Oh, you sure, man? I'm in homemade cookies. No. Dude, people make fun of you the whole shift. Mm-hmm. I, I've been, like, so that brings me to, like, I did, I've done two fitness men's competitions, you know, for people who don't know, where you stare, stand up there. Not in the Speedo, but in board shorts. Um, <laughs> Take your shirt off. Do your, do your poses, you know? <laughs> and, sure. um... And yeah, I dieted for, you know, 16 to 20 weeks for each show and I did, and I had to bring my own food and just like Matt touched on snacks and especially now during COVID, it's terrible. I mean, they're just trying to pay us for our work and food. <laughs> yeah, and, basically. Uh, and yeah, man, uh, you know, people that, well, what are you eating? And so first it starts off as I'm making fun of you. And then I ended up getting a lot of clients. There's a lot of nurses that I've worked with in the past to kind of curb those night shift habits, little night shift hacks. You know, Matt mentioned intermittent fasting and just kind of figuring out what works for you. You know, there's not really a universal because everybody's got their, my thing is like cookies and pizza. You know, everybody's got their, you know. <laughs> yeah, thing. man. Somebody says I'm ordering pizza, dude. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I'll break my fast. I'll get some pizza, dude. Yeah, like same thing. There's certain things that are hard to say no to, no matter mm-hmm. who you are and how self-disciplined you are. But I've done, I've, you know, I've helped people kind of implement different things that yeah. have worked for me and hope they work for them. Since you've done like so much of fitness, I'm actually curious on what regimen worked for you. And I think we have a lot of female listeners. Like, what's like your recommendation when it comes to just getting your ass in shape type of thing? Like, what are you like your go-to uh, methods as a trainer to get people in shape? First. First step, I do what every single person, no matter what level of fitness, shape, fat, skinny, you think you're, whatever, is you journal what you eat for a week. Just, it could be in a notepad, it could be in your phone, it could be text, email, whatever. Because I think the average person, when they look at the amount of garbage, myself included, (laughs) that they eat from a Monday to Sunday, it's crazy and super, and, and super eye-opening. I think that's step one, and then we kind of go from there. But most people, when they see it on paper, they're like, oh, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure, because I used to do, like, I saw, like, a nutrition app on my phone, and um, I, I don't really count my macros anymore, but I used to count my macros. I'm just like, damn, dude, like, I'm hitting so much more carbs than I, than I initially thought and so much, like, less protein than, than I thought. Like it's different when you look at it on paper because then you actually see what you consume and you can kind of like adjust it for the most part. But just taking a look at what you actually eat when you're not paying attention, it's, it's insane. Like you snack all the time almost. Yeah. And then, you know, I think people think you got to use an app. You got to do this. You got to make it. So I'm like, yo, whatever way you think is easiest, you can write it on a napkin, take a picture of the napkin and send it to me and then we'll compile your week. And then um, for the most part, everybody's usually blown away at like, or they think they're eating enough protein or they think they're not, you know, and then a lot of people misconstrue. I don't want to be biased and say men or women, but that they, some, you still have to eat. Sometimes you, you're eating too little mm-hmm. and then you store things. And that's a concept that a lot of people don't get yeah. initially as well. Like oh, I'm just eating salads, but then you're dousing and dressing and starving yourself and you know, that type of thing too. But yeah, like there's overeating, but there's also something called undereating, which is the exact opposite, but does almost the same thing, you know? Exactly, exactly. And it lowers your metabolism. I'm actually kind of lazy when it comes to journaling and doing all that kind of things. I prefer just hopping on a scale every two days and just kind of gauging myself like, hey, Matt, you need to you know, cut this shit tomorrow, man. You got to eat a little bit less because you kind of picked up a pound and a half, you know? 
So that's how I kind of try to kind of keep myself disciplined. And that, and you know, I don't know if you guys can vouch for this, but as a nurse, where you get those you up and down habits, is how do your scrubs fit? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's good right I, now. I know I've had that conversation with a couple people before, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Damn, I used to be able to fit these when I graduated. Now I can't, or you know, on this travel contract, I can fit these. Now I can't, you know." Yeah, what's going happen after the quarantine fifteen? <laughs> I know. I think the fitness game is gonna open right up. I should start. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna blow up. I'm about, I'm about to open up a, I'm about to open up a Planet Fitness or here or something, dude. <laughs> what, what about like the takeaway? Maybe people are gonna be more involved in like self fitness, and they're not gonna want to go to the gyms because they realized how of a habit it was, and it could be taken away so quick. I don't know. That's just my thought. But you mentioned that you're vegan, right? So yeah. you, you, you did bodybuilding, and now you said you wanted to do a a bodybuilding competition being vegan and how has that change been for you was it difficult because me and peter have tried it ourselves and i feel like i gained i got chubbier because i was just maxing out on carbs and just not picking the right you know food choices but, but i also think it's because of consideration that we tried being vegan like a few years ago so we didn't have as much vegan options as people do now like, was, and where did bad. you guys where did where did you guys try it at where were you guys living colorado okay colorado mm-hmm. So I, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy if you told me I'd ever be vegan. Like I would have looked at you up and down and thought you were insane. And my girlfriend, living girlfriend, went vegan and didn't even like sell me on the idea. It wasn't like, oh, you should try. It. She was like, just do your homework, watch a couple of docs. I watched a few documentaries, no pressure. Did my Which one did you watch? Uh, I watched Game Changers. Mm-hmm. I watched some bootleg one on Amazon that was actually mm-hmm. pretty informative. And um, was it so What the Health? I've watched What the Health. Mm-hmm. It was another another like low budget one though that was actually really informative. But um, so I was like, all right, in my head, I was like, if I could find a burger and fries, vegan in LA that tastes sufficient, along with pizza and a chocolate chip <laughs> cookie. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'll give this a try with you. I was like, I'll give this a try with you. So ironically, we were walking down Melrose, um, and there was a vegan burger spot. So I took the first bite of the burger, super skeptical. And I was like, yo, you really can't taste the difference. I was like, I was like, all right, Lindsay, I was like, I'll try it. So uh, first of all, I think LA makes it super easy. That's number one. Um, number two, I really saw like the health benefits on paper and research and I cared more about the internal than the external look. And, um, so I, I just kind of sold one all in. I was skeptical though, because I'm not a big beans or lentils guy as well. So those aren't things that I like. So I've just been trying a lot of different things and I feel like I finally kind of found something I like. The beyond products are great. I like those a lot. What's your go-to meals right now? uh beyond beef tacos is one of my staples um i got two vegan proteins one's like what is it banana banana maple french toast by uh, i don't remember the name right now i'll think of it in a second their protein is really good um there's a lot of the oh beyond sausage and peppers like over over rice over kale depending on how you're trying to get you know uh, obviously, all depending on your macros, but the Beyond product panels, every meal, oatmeal, um, 
The hardest part with being vegan from a macro standpoint, though, is definitely the protein and carbs because of the, um, everything has carbs, I feel like, for vegans. Yeah, so where do you get your protein from besides, like, the protein uh, shake? Mainly the uh, Beyond products, and okay. I've been experimenting my cooking skills with uh, tofu and tempeh. Tofu has been an interesting mission for me when I started um, being vegan. I like try to fry it before, which tasted really good. Well, then you're consuming a lot of fats and oil. Yep. And I try, I try to bake it before, but it just, it just doesn't get that crispy feel. You got to like squish out the soy water and you got to let it sit, pat it with some paper towel, which is scarce nowadays. And you got you to you you cook it, you know? So it's, um, it was very difficult being vegan. Um, personally, I don't know if I to get back into it, but I support everybody that does it. I, yeah, no pressure. I'm definitely not one of those judgmental people. I love animals, but obviously that's not my whole reason for doing it type of thing. Um, just more from a health perspective, I feel better. I had, I've dramatically dropped um, my caffeine intake. I feel like mm -hmm. I have more energy and sleep better. I used to drink like two bangs a shift. Now I just drink one small coffee before I go in and that suffices for the whole night and I'm alert, you know? Yeah, so I feel it's like the biggest thing. Yeah. So what do you think of like elimination diets? Because a lot of people, you know, they, they like eat poorly for the most part. And then they hop on like a diet trend, like the keto diet or like the paleo or even like the vegan diet. And obviously they lose weight. They feel better because they're eliminating a lot of the shit that like the prior stuff that they were eating. That's, uh, that's a good point. You know, that's so a really like, good point. Yeah. A lot of the, these issues could be stemmed for like a, like a few food groups. Like maybe it's not that you got to go keto. Maybe you got to eliminate, like, you know, maybe you're eating too much grain, you're eating too much bread. And so once you eliminate those, you, you feel great. That's why I feel like a lot of these elimination diet work for people because it's like a, like a simple fix, but you're not truly fixing anything. It's like a band-aid. No, I definitely agree with that concept. And it's funny. I had this conversation with a friend who's full-fledged vegan. And he told me, he's like, bro, he's like, it's not like you're changing your gender. He's like, if you want egg whites, he's like, have some eggs. He's like, if you're, he's like, if you want some, he's like, have it. He's like, and then get back on track. You know, it's not that, and you know, no one's there saying, he's like, the vegan police aren't there telling you, you can't have X, Y, and Z. So I think saying, you know, tying back into what you said, you know, you know, you can't live without X, Y, and Z and you have an urge for it, have it. Just, you know, within reason. And surprisingly enough for me, I was the worst Chick-fil-A addict ever. And I, I, I'm still mind-blown that I don't have cravings for things. Like, I really don't. Have you had the Popeye's one? unique for me or not. Oh, I, had the the, I love the Popeye's hot spicy chicken, too. Which one is better? Which one's better? All right. This kind of a politically correct answer. But the sauce on the Popeye's chicken sandwich is hands down better. But I'm Dude. also a sucker for the Chick-fil-A. The chicken at Chick-fil-A is better. If I could do the chicken from Chick-fil-A with the spicy sauce, I would take a break from the vegan. Really? Because I, like I like the Popeye's chicken, man. They give you like a nice thick breast compared to like... It's, they it's do. The they do give you a lot. Dude. And I got one right down the street, dude. Man, sometimes you, it's a hiss to the spot. It's bad. Yeah, I think I prefer Popeye's over Chick-fil-A, though. No, no disrespect. I love Chick-fil-A, too. Right. Before, before I switched to vegan, it was, it was pretty frequent Popeye's. Mm -hmm. Popeye's runs, I gotta say. Since we're on the to topic, we're on a topic of food, and I'm kind of gonna divert. I was watching a commercial in my patient's room yesterday, and it was like a pill to stop inflammation in the gut. And and it's like shit. How ironic is another commercial? They're not telling you how to eat properly. It's just slapping up a problem that's already there. Meaning you already you're eating shitty. You're having inflammation in your gut. 
take a pill and we'll decrease inflammation. But you could continue eating, you know, you could continue doing the same eating habits. And that's such a problem in freaking healthcare that we see with everything from diabetes to you name it, man. Oh, definitely. And you know, coming from the business world, I feel like I'm not necessarily as naive as some might be about the end of the day, healthcare is still a business. And obviously I don't want to go off on like, you know, make this super political, but it is a business, you know, you got to wonder, I tell all my patients, no matter how good your nurse is, your doctor is, anyone you come in contact, no one's going to look out for you the way you're going to look out for you. And you have to do your own research and homework before you take anything. And I hate it. I'm, I'm sure you guys can vouch for this as well. I hate it when I give my patients their medications. They don't ask me any questions. They just take the couple of meds without me explaining the meds before they take them. You know, you should know, you should ask. All drugs have a side effect. So if you can eat differently to prevent taking in something that has a side effect, as we all know, why wouldn't you at least you know, do your research on it. Yeah, that's why it's a good thing. Like for me, I'm came into the habit of, I explain like the medications to, to every patient I, I, I give. Because before I used to explain to some, not explain to the other, but now I just, you know, with my habit, I just explain to everybody. Because I've met patients that don't know what they're taking and they're kind of too shy to ask. Because they don't want to seem like dumb. They don't want to seem like they don't know that's the answer. Like, they've, been this, they've been taking the medication for four years. Like they think that they, they should know by now what it does, but they really don't know. And they don't want to ask because they don't want to, like make you feel sorry for them or just they just feel bad for asking that is i just no, say that's a really good point too yeah and i say i say i repeat it like even though at the same patient these three nights she got the he or she got the same lecture every every morning every night by the same meds just drill in their head and that repetition is probably needed to retain it regardless i mean you know when yeah. you were in school i didn't remember it the first time you told me so that, that's another thing that i wouldn't mind stealing as well yeah so renard did you um so where did you start nursing at? Because you didn't jump to travel nursing right away, right? No. Um, so I started out um, on a cardiac neuro telemetry unit, a.k.a. a dumping ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it was – so I did that full time, and then I knew travel nursing was what I wanted to do in my head. So I also picked up a per diem in the psychiatric emergency room. So I worked anywhere from 40 to 60 hours a week. And my case was always to get two years of experience on paper and hours because every travel agency said you needed two years of experience. So I told every company that I called, well, if I've worked 60 to 70 hours a week, that's more than a nurse who works 36 hours a week for three weeks paid vacation over the course of two years. Why can't I get a job? So I kind of went in with that mentality and just kind of be a sponge, learn as much as I possibly could. And I mean, I learned a ton on that floor. I feel like cardiac and neuro is kind of, you know, involved almost every dynamic of patient. Um, in addition to the psychiatric emergency room where, you know, a majority of patients, although it might not be dramatic, have some type of so psychosocial component, um, you know, as part of their care plan. That's cool. See that's messed up, man. Even like seeing homeless people in Venice right now, psychiatric problems are like such a big thing, man. They're walking around screaming to themselves, talking to themselves. And, you know, we as a society always like, I feel like they always get the last card, man, last draw. Like we always kind of close them up and um, we just give them the, you know, the kind of boot in society, man. It kind of sucks. And they need help. I feel like it all stems from 
mental health and you know we talk about mental health and it's we we should make it like a golden staple in our society man and maybe we will after this whole outbreak uh, i definitely agree with that and i think working in a psych er has opened my eyes to things from a from a textbook to real life and kind of just made you realize like we're almost all one chess move away from being affected in some type of way that we could be like them you know it's not far off that, you know, your average person can be in their shoes and you don't empathize, understand, or think psych's important until you're either exposed to it or it touches you or your family or friends or something like that. Yeah, dude, you have a, you have a good mindset, man, because, like, when you brought up about how, like, you want to become, a, you know, become like a travel nurse and you needed two years of experience, well, your first thing was, like, how do I get that two years of experience in less than two years? So you decided to pick up overtime and, and like, work your ass off just to kind of finish it off quick, dude. Like, that tells a lot about a person. Like, it seems like you're straight business, you know? Uh, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, you know, that's the underlying business stuff that I don't even realize until somebody points it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I was just like, I'm not waiting two years. I was yeah. like, I don't care what any of these recruiters say. I was like, somebody is getting me a job in a year. Or, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's the go-getter mentality, man. So that's why, like, hustle beats talent. It doesn't matter how – good you are in something if you have the mindset to actually want to do it and have the work ethic like you're gonna outpace anybody you know what i mean when competition 100 whatever and it is i think the big thing in nursing too is you're all the best nurses are always learning one year 10 years 30 years experience like you don't know everything you might have been exposed to more but you just don't know everything and it, and it always changes and evolves as far as like the best practices and that type of thing so that was always my argument in my head that i would have to kind of establish and give myself the confidence that I feel like I needed to become a travel nurse. So, you know, from there, I, I got, I, I think I, I probably talked to like 20, 30 recruiters. I finally got somebody who saw it my way. I did a local assignment in New York, um, in Binghamton, New York, actually, out in the middle of nowhere. But it was really good experience. Um, I always got the toughest assignments. I always got the admission. I always do the short straw. And I feel like it really kind of set me up to succeed in California where it's more regulated. You have ratios. You're kind of more set up for success, even as a traveler or, um, you know, flow pool. And that's one cool thing about travel nursing, man. It builds such resilience, like at a whole nother level, resilience of taking care of people's lives. And you, you develop it where you're kind of going on shift and you feel less anxious you, you feel calm and cool collective, man. And I didn't get to that mindset till like a second contract in, third contract. And then here, I'm nonchalant about things. Of course, shit hits the fan. You know, I think it was one time it was like 6 a.m. and I'm eating um, ice cream from the fridge. <laughs> and nurse comes in. She's like, hey, your patient's in VTAC. And I just remember myself putting the damn ice cream in because I can't take another bite. Just shove the spoon. I'm like, all right, let's go take care of business really quick. So you just, you know, you get more resilient. And I still provide, you know, quality care i'm not neglecting my patients or anything but yeah so it's it's interesting no, I, I agree if you can control the nerves you we all have the knowledge but if, i think the, one of the big parts of nursing that's never really spoken about is nerve control i think that energy is um, transferable to your patients i think if you're nervous and anxious that patient's going to stay on the call like i think if you're nervous and anxious things might go south quicker because they'll panic when they can't breathe as opposed to hey I got you. I'm going to push this button. A lot of people are going to come in the room. We're going to handle this. It might seem scary, but we're going to get through this. Okay. 
And then it also comes down to communication, just like you mentioned. Like you can't like go up to a patient and be like, hey, chill out, like relax, <laughs> breathe, breathe. Like, please tell me, like maybe with your girlfriend, if she's pissed and you tell her to chill out, do you think she's going to chill out? The exact opposite. Yeah, man. And that's, and that's the issue that we don't understand. Like we have to learn how to communicate and then also ground yourself. You know, like you could have, you could have a poker face, right? Put on those glasses. You got this handle, but deep inside you could be kind of shitting bricks. Just present that uh, presence, man. And I've had family, family members that went home for the first time after like two, three nights because they trusted me. It's just a persona vibe that you give them to give that trust that, you know, you're taking care of that family member. And, um, I do it a lot, man. Like yesterday I had a patient that was anxious on the vent and she's like, what's going on? Like, what's that noise? I'm like, Hey, sweetie, look at me. Everything else that's going on. I have it under control. You worry about yourself. And that's just always the, the people just need to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yes. People, a nurse needs to communicate that. It's so simple, but you have so much stuff going on in your head that you can't really relate to the person in the bed or something as simple as what you did last night. Obviously, looking at it, you're like, oh, well, you know, but, you know, a lot of times when you're caught up, you don't say stuff like that. And obviously, you, you did, and that helped make the difference in 12 hours. 12 hours is a long time. And you, you mentioned uh, minimalism, right? That's something you are currently, like, passionate about and things. So can you yeah. tell, explain to people what minimalism is and how yeah, you so. Sure. So I'm a, I'm a big documentary guy. I, like I'm not necessarily the biggest reader, but I love learning in a video standpoint. Documentaries are my go-to. Um, so I watched a documentary on minimalism. And I think it was called The Minimalists. And they have a book too. But what I thought my biggest takeaway was it the two gentlemen, they're extremists with it. But the first thing they tell you is, this is how extreme we've taken it. You don't have to take it that extreme, but if you could take a piece from what we're telling you, a piece from which we're sharing with you and apply it to your own life, then great. You know, so they're like, you know, if you have this addiction to X, Y, and Z, my thing is sneakers. They're like, don't part with all your sneakers if you know you're a sneaker guy. You know, so with being a traveler, as you guys can relate to, it's best to have as little as possible from a practicality standpoint, moving from point A to point B every four to 13 weeks. Um, so in my head, I just valued that at first from practicality and then more so from an environment piece. Um, I've recently just been thrifting and vintage only because of some research that I saw about the benefits of the environment. And it's also fun for me. Um, with fashion and then you know from a lifestyle standpoint it just makes things easier I feel like my values are more focused on my quality of life versus my quantity of life and I'm just enjoying the little things man laughing joking with your significant other your friends your family and if, if there's not a time to at least entertain it I think it's now when you realize you don't have all the things that you have and are you really happy in the house you know um, and, and that's kind of like my piece on that and just something to entertain. Dude, dude, you honestly open up like a can of worms right now in my mind. Like I just have <laughs> like, so like, even like, let's just say, um, taking it back to like a Mac Miller song. Like he talks about how like, Hey, more money, more problems. Now he has a bigger home. You got to up- upgrade that. Now you got to fly in a private jet and it's the style that catches you that like the music industry is dealing with because they can't, they can't 
grip themselves, man. They're not grounded. And that lifestyle of not being minimalism just takes over, man. It engulfs you. And then they do prescription pills. And, you know. You see that mental health piece with them, not to cut you off, you know. Yeah. Musicians, athletes, et cetera. Yeah, I'm just talking quarantine going on, too. It's like, it's not necessarily a a completely bad thing. Like, now people can kind of become more self-aware and kind of figure out how to get more more self-satisfaction. Because a lot of people hold their true passions because, you know, they got to go to work. They got to go to work. They're nine to five job Monday through Friday and sometimes on Saturdays where they don't have time for themselves or time to even think about other things besides their job. And I believe this quarantine is going to open up a lot of new, new paths for, for other, other individuals. Definitely. Hmm. I'm just a little bit worried because people, unfortunately old habits die hard as you guys heard. So there's people that will go back to their normal life and they want to accept the norm. That norm was okay for them, you know? And, and like, let's just say whoever's listening, you have to not accept that norm. You have to not be okay with that previous lifestyle and you have to change. You have to, you have to endure the pain because pain is a teacher. And like, I'm reading David Goggins book right now. So that's why I'm like talking about work ethic and like pain. You yeah, have, I to have to say same book. I love that book. Callous yeah. in the mind. That's yeah, definitely so get, a gem. Yeah. Like you think your uh, maximum output is this right now but you're only operating at 40%. You got to learn how to push those limits because you have, as he called it the governor. We have a, the governor of the mind and he basically says, this is enough. This is all you can do. But the governor could get pushed more. You just have to tell him, get him out of the way, push past your goal, push back your, push past your breaking point, And you'll discover that, Hey, my potential is a lot more than it really is. I couldn't agree more with that, with all that stuff. I love David Goggins. I love his message. I love what he portrays and his whole story is super impressive, but it's impressive from not even a bragging standpoint, just like the self-discipline that you develop. And that is transferable in so many ways, you know, and that's one of the reasons I did the whole fitness show stuff is for the self-discipline piece. You know, people see it for the vein on stage, spray tan, the hype, the hoopla, but from a self-discipline piece, after doing, no one's up with you late night seeing if you sneak that bowl of ice cream and, or you're going to eat your broccoli before you go to bed instead. But that skill set has transferred where dude, it doesn't matter what you put in front of me. I think I can, I'm like, yeah, I can do it. You know, there's no, there's like no doubt when you push through those types of, those types of things, self-discipline. Right. It makes a giant difference because a lot of times people go into into like the gym blind or any kind of uh, career blind. And like with the gym, if you don't go work out with something in mind, like, hey, I wanna get my legs bigger. Hey, I wanna, you know, cut 2% of my body fat or I wanna lose weight or I just wanna work on my chest, things like that. If you don't go in with a goal, you kind of don't have anywhere, any way to evaluate the work no. you're putting in, right? Because you're, you're not really sure what you're working out. Yeah, you just, you just, you just happen to like a random routine where you're just doing it as just like, like, like a machine where you're doing it, but without really any kind of direction. And it just gets boring. 100%. Hmm. I think that's what also people do when they start off. Like at first, you, you don't have that mind-to-body connection that people are like, what is that? And then you, they get into it and they've realized it. And a lot of people that are start, first starting with like self-awareness and confidence, I think working out is a great starting point because you start getting yourself out of your head and you start kind of getting into your body and that starts generating that confidence. And then from there, you can start working on like mental aspects and things like that, I feel like. That's a good point too. It's all transferable if you make it transferable. You know, it takes time, it takes practice like anything else. 
I think, you know, you can't expect the instant gratification. I think that's definitely the biggest challenge for the majority, I would think. Okay. And Renard, do you, do, you, yeah. do you devote like a, like a time for yourself or like a day for yourself? Like how do you relax? Obviously you work out, you know, you go to work. If it's yeah, like a, I always, yeah. yeah, that's a good point too. I, I always take 15, 20, 30 minutes before my shift to kind of just relax, like kind of put my mind in a positive spot on my own motivational video, um, that type of thing. Um, another habit I have, if I wake up, my girlfriend sleeps a little bit or last minute before we go to work. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> but I usually wake up earlier. I watch like the documentary. I'll just relax, zone out. And that's kind of how I keep my mind at ease and at peace. And that's daily. What do you do outside? So right now, or what you want to do after this quarantine, what are some, what's, what are things you're working on right now that like is the light switch that turns off when you come home and away from work? away from like everything, like what, what do you do for fun in a way? Yeah. So, um, aside from exercising and, um, you know, I usually, my biggest thing is planning trips. So okay. this is all like a big, like, all right, well, we don't know when the world's going to reopen. So what can I do? So I think I've always wanted to put myself in a good spot as far as opportunities go beyond this. I've never, I didn't get my bachelor's in nursing. So that's something I recently signed up for. So school, furthering the education, but fun. You know, I keep up with my social media. That's fun for me. That's a fun outlet. I love being able to share, you know, whatever knowledge and experience I have that can benefit those who can learn from my mistakes, my journey. So, and I also mentor um, five nurses, an LPN, a new grad RN, an experienced RN, um, and an LPN student, and I think another nursing student. So that's another thing that I really genuinely enjoy. So, is it like? Do you consider like a like a fun business for yourself, like a side like a side hustle, where you're just kind of like you know sitting down, let's just say an hour a week with each individual person, and you just kind of like help them up? Yeah, I do it completely for free. I genuinely just enjoy it. I, you know, and if I can, if I'm, all I'm doing is telling you my story and you can benefit from it in one way, shape, or form, you know, as simple as if I could do it all over again, I probably went away. I probably would have went directly into a specialty. Or I, initially after school, I started right up into my BSN. That was a lot as a new grad and I ended up withdrawing from it. But just those little things, it seems so simple to me or to us or to any experienced nurse or whatever your career path might be but for a student or a new nurse or an LPN or a CNA dude, that is like a that that could save them a lot of time energy everything yeah that, that's mad respect that you're actually helping them up man that's so, good people uh, gotta hear it man people gotta hear it yeah you know I don't I never forget where I came from like it's you guys know if you're ever a tech or that's some stuff you know like people make you feel stupid no one wants to help you even if you're like EBS and stuff like that it's just you know you gotta you can't forget where you came from mm -hmm. and I think the most humbling experience for me was going from you know a regional manager where you're in charge of 300 people and they have to report to you and now I'm the new guy in the hospital who doesn't know a thing <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and I gotta ask you everything you know, and I'm also making a fraction of what I was making 
as being a big boss, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really been beneficial, and I and I and I really appreciate giving back, and that's fun for me. Hopefully, yeah. our hopefully our generation of nurses, we don't have this mindset of eating our young man, because there's there's so many topics we could talk about, right? But one of the one of those things is why do you eat your young if you know you've been on that same boat and you we are all learning, you know, we're all in this together. But yet they have that freaking queen bee syndrome. It happens in females, and some nurses get bullied like that, man. It was mind mind blowing to me. I never understand it, but I think we could come out of this with a better perspective, or at least you hope they don't forget. As we're seeing a lot of nurses who are quote unquote experienced getting put in some real uncomfortable situations. You know, if you worked in the OR and now all of a sudden you're on the floor and you worked in the OR for 30 years, as we're seeing across the nation, you got to ask for help. You don't even know some of the terms that I'm using, and I've been a nurse for you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that that transfers, like you said, beyond COVID. Yeah, with the whole concept, manager about where like ICU nurses tend to eat their young. Like sometimes when you orientate somebody and you know they're thinking they're taking things lightly, sometimes you just gotta have them fucking. You, somebody's gotta have them. Sometimes they just gotta sink so they can learn. Like they gotta learn the hard way. Like some nurses are gonna you know follow your footsteps, are gonna understand what you're saying, and they're gonna do what you're saying. And some nurses are just gonna kind of wing it. And then you got to show them that, hey, like, if you don't do it properly, like, shit's going to go, go down. It's going to go down quick. You yeah. know, so not. And everybody, not, I feel like, hmm? I was going to say, I feel like a lot of people, too, have that, like, moment where it, like, kind of all clicked, at least, like, for me. Like, I remember I learned kind of the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> but one of my, you know, from, like, a charting standpoint, I, I was like, oh, I'll chart all these when I'm done. Rapid response, you know, tied up for X amount of hours, and my preceptor didn't say anything. He's like, oh, you know, where are your assessments? And I was just like, damn. He's like, see, he's like, see, I told you, you got to timestamp everything. He's like, you're always expensive. He's like, timestamp when you go in the room. And that's something that stuck for me, you know, relating back to the point you made about kind of letting him sink. But he was letting me sink in a, in a nice way, not like a supervised so. way. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he jumped in when, when need to be, but, you know. Yeah, somebody's you got to learn, dude. Like, I, I've had a few RTs that just like were understanding, were kept winging it. I'm like, all right, do your, do your thing. And I did it on purpose just so I could see. I was kind of testing them, see how much they know, and see what, see what they would do in, this, in like these certain situations. And, you know, like, they sank. Like, but they sank to the point where I could catch them, you know, and I could, like, yeah. re-educate them and make sure they do it right the next time. But I, you guys scare them a little bit. Because I think it's important, it's important to realize nursing can be fun, but it's also serious. I feel like sometimes, you know, Instagram and social media portray, like, this, you know, fitness, vegan, this lifestyle, that lifestyle, nurse, and all this travel, blah, blah, blah. But the reality of it is, is it's still people's lives in your hands, and that's serious. Yeah, do one mistake, and then, like, it's, it's like, gives you a different look at life. Like, For it's sure. like, I, I could be here, here one day, because more, unfortunately, like, in the United States, mortality rates are, you know, they're very high once you enter the hospital, and if you get septic, you know, it's like a 30% chance of you not walking out of there, or even ARDS. So it's like, like, it's a very traumatic place to work at. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. Any last thoughts, man? We're going to wrap this up. It's been a pleasure talking to you all, man. No, I've genuinely enjoyed this, man. I, I honestly would love to do it again. I love to chat with you guys off the air. I feel like we connected on, you know, multiple levels um, mm-hmm. that I feel like I got something from each of you and kind of just helped me, you know, even add to things I was already thinking, which is, which is just nice. It's just nice having these types of conversations even more so during these times. Right. And where can people find you at, Bernard? 
Um, Instagram is where I'm probably most active um, at r underscore underscore walk um, or Nurse Renard. Um, and my email is there. And I'm very interactive with all followers or anyone who asks questions. I'm always available to try to help when I can. Damn, dude. Great to hear, man. We're going to talk again. And maybe in the future, that, and that's why me and Peter are doing this. We're learning so much from other nurses. And it's time to make a change in freaking healthcare, man. So we don't, we don't want to be the couple of nurses that just, you know, create some shirts and sells them. No, we, maybe we'll become <laughs> a body to make a change because we need some change in healthcare, man. Hopefully I don't get silenced exactly, and get assassinated for this one, but it's, it's coming. Change is coming guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll chat again, man. Take care. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah.